0: We bring in now Sean Merriman, lights out himself. Sean, is Tom Brady ever going to retire, or is he going to outlast all of us?
1: The way it's looking, man, I think he's going to outlast all of us. Um, You know, it's funny, him talking about wanting to play to 45, and I think he said this when he was around 40 or 41 years old. And, you know, for normal people, that just sounded ridiculous. I know when I heard it, I just like, you know, he's just kind of gassing himself up and maybe wishful thinking that he could play till he's 45, but I think he resurrected the way he's playing the game, um, not just by him taking hits, but he actually looks more mobile now and doing more things more accurately in the pocket than he did five years ago. So I, I don't know exactly which part of his game he got better at, uh, but it, it seems to me that as long as he stays off the ground and he stays away from big contact uh, and they keep building on what they have right now, he, he probably will play until he's 45 years old.
0: I talked about yesterday on the show. We've obviously been unpacking it a lot during the course of the week. Um, Is 10 Super Bowls, even if he doesn't get to another Super Bowl, which I think based on the way he's playing right now, it wouldn't be stunning if he did. But is 10 Super Bowls even something that anybody else can aspire to get to? Or is it one of those crazy, almost unreachable uh, records that's out there right uh, I compared it like to Joe Joe DiMaggio hitting in 56 straight games uh maybe the the longtime record of how many games in a row Cal Rifkin played in in Major League Baseball when he broke Lou Gehrig's record is is it a uh, a number that like you look at and think oh I think another quarterback will ever get to 10 or do you just look at it and say man that's crazy I don't think anybody in our life will ever be able to achieve that.
1: Well, you know, the thing is, I hate saying the word never, right? Because we all know that records are meant to be broken. Um, and then not to mention, the game changes every 10 years or so, right? So, I mean, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't see anybody like Patrick Mahomes, you know, with yeah. his throwing motion, I think he, he's capable of doing it. In 10 years, it's going to be a match, uh, Patrick Mahomes times two, right? It's going to be some guy, some kid that coming in there, just are throwing off his back leg and 80 yards on the dime. I mean, it's just, it's just the way the game is. Um, but with that all being said, you find it nearly impossible for somebody to play that long, uh, go to the Super Bowl that many times, not just go, but also win. Because yeah. you need so many things to happen, right? You need to have the same organization, same coach, same system, not get injured. You know, I, I think the only year that Tom Brady missed was uh, that old eight year somewhere around there when he towards ACL. But outside of that, I mean, you need all the other things to go right. So it's almost when you when you put it that way, it's almost impossible uh, for it to happen with another team or another player.
0: Did it surprise you uh the degree to which the Tampa Bay defensive line whipped the Kansas City chief offensive line?
1: No, no, and, and i and I said that going into this game. I actually had the game being around thirty thirty four thirty one. You know, even though they, you know, had some drop balls and 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 incomplete passes, even with the line being banged up as they was, because I figured that Andy Reid will come in that game and have enough game plan. Knowing, and look, I'm a former defender player, and I'm and I'm telling you exactly everything that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did going into this game is what I would have wanted to do as a as if, if I played against them. You know, and I said that they had to stop Sue and JPP and those guys up front. Shaq Barrett was going to be a long night, and it was. They had no answer, and knowing that, you know, going into this game, it, it was a complete. It was it was a nasty game. We haven't seen Kansas City play like that ever, you know. Since Patrick Mahomes and that that core has been there, we've never seen them play like that. So I don't think anybody anybody that say they expected the game to go that way, they're lying. It's no way that you expected them to score that many points.
0: When you look ahead, I started off my show talking about the rise of the quarterback position, and it's almost like there's two different cast systems almost in the NFL right now. There's the rules for quarterbacks, and there's the rules for everybody else. It seems like that chasm, that difference between the quarterback position and the other players is only growing, both in terms of compensation and also just overall in terms of attention did you feel it like that when you were playing and do you feel like even since you've left it's become more of a quarterback versus everybody else league
1: it, it is but you know let's let's look at it this way I mean your your CEO of the company is gonna get paid more than everyone else yeah it's just it you know they're running the ship they determine whether that team makes a hundred million or you know, 350 million uh, in profit by the end of the year I mean that's that, right that's how that's how big of a difference in that quarterback position. So, I, you know, people can complain and say, oh, it's a quarterback league. And trust me, I hate it. I hate to see a guy armed accidentally go ac- across the a side of a guy's helmet or neck or something like that, um, and they get flagged or and fined. I mean, those are things I hate as a former defensive player. But speaking of business terms, that one player is single-handedly responsible for your organization uh, being the most profitable, depending on them winning the, winning the football game. You know, when I played, I mean, obviously, I was kind of caught in the between where the quarterback started to get that type of love. I mean, you had your, uh, your Tom Brady's and your Drew Brees and Peyton Manning, Eli, you, you had your stars. But if you start to look now halfway across the league, the quarterback position and kind of the, the separation of, uh, in a difference now than it was in the last ten years is astronomical. You know, it, it, look, and Patrick Mahomes, a half-a-billion-dollar con- uh, contract before he's all said and done. That, 15 years ago, is unheard of. And guess what? In the next three or four years, it's going to be way bigger than that. People are going to be scratching their head at somebody getting paid $700 million over 10 years in football, that quarterback position. But it has to be another Patrick Mahomes type of guy that's going to come into the league, which won't happen for the next five or 10 years.
0: What do you think is going to happen with all this quarterback drama? you got Dak Prescott, the Cowboys. Start here. The Cowboys left him out of the hype video. Now, you may say that's ridiculous and, you know, like it's petty, but there's no way the guy who made the hype video did that intentionally, right? And if he did, if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm like, we got to fire this dude, right? Like, who does he think he is leaving Dak Prescott out and creating all this drama? That seems like it would be intentional to me. What do you think about stories like these? And then Dak Prescott supposedly goes out and follows the Washington football team on Twitter How do you think all of that kind of uh, adds up?
1: This is a game of chess at this point, right? Um, And I think that we've seen for the first time ever someone stop going up by them not playing. (laughs) I mean, you know, we've seen what that team was with Dak, and we've seen what it wasn't with Dak. Same, you know, for the most part, same core players. I know they had a few offensive linemen that go down and and a couple, couple guys get banged up. But, you know, I, I always – and I always said this, and, and i probably take some of it back by saying it, but I always thought that Dak Prescott was a above-average quarterback. I didn't think he was great. I didn't think he was going to go out there and wow anybody. But, you know, you got to give somebody credit when credit is due. He did a lot for that football team, and I'm not just talking about stats. He gave them motivation and, uh, you know, just the energy to go out there and feel like they can win football games. And when he left, it, it, it there was a drop-off. Now – I think that Andy Dalton came in there and, and and did he served a purpose? And their whole point of, of bringing Andy Dalton in in the first place was to let Dak know you okay if you want to after this year go on we we got somebody here that we're stable enough to win with right um, that we can win some football games that he doesn't have to be Dak Prescott but you know when you have Dak coming in it's going to probably be asking for forty million dollars plus a year or close to it uh you got to start looking at the difference between Andy Dalton and Dak Prescott are you willing to move on from Dak Prescott but we're seeing nothing now but a chess match that's all we're seeing
0: talking to Sean Merriman encourage you to listen to Lights Out podcast with him uh in uh, awful news uh Marty Schottenheimer died at the age of 77 I saw your tweet about him what was he like as a coach what was he like as a person
1: You know, Marty, uh, Coach Marty Schottenheimer. For me, I go back and I look, and I got drafted in 2005, and you know, obviously they had that great year in 2004, of when they went 12-4 before I came in. But I really say this: I was fortunate to walk in the locker room to not only the players and the teammates that I had, but fortunate to be coached by Marty Schottenheimer coming in, because you're talking about someone who was a just a leader amongst men. Like he can get you going at any given time. He was just a natural born leader, and he can inspire you and motivate you in different ways, um, you know. And, and I'll and I'll give you a, an example of just the type of person he was. In 2005, uh, you know, we were playing the Kansas City Chiefs at home, and you know the, they were running the ball, and they had Priest Holmes in the backfield. I went and ran across the field, and I knocked out Priest Holmes. And when I tell you I knocked him out, he was asleep for two commercial breaks, right? And I came over there, and I was celebrating, I was screaming at the top of my lungs, and yeah, you know, I went on the sideline celebrating. And Marty Schottenheimer grabbed my face mask, and he said, "Lights, great hit, but don't forget that his family and friends are watching and At that moment, at that time, it hit me all at once, just saying that you know it was a, it was a sign of humility humility, uh, humility and a sign of you know humbleness and in that moment of me just kind of raging and going crazy in the field because of this big hit, he was worrying about priest Holmes' his family and his friends and who was watching and knocked out and. I learned a lot from Marty. I learned a lot from him because, uh, you know, he was hard on you when he needed to be. But then he'll walk up to you uh, in training camp. If you've been busting your ass and working hard and, and playing a game like you should be, he'll come up and walk and tap you on the back and say, you know what, take the day off. Because he loved to take care of his players. So, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, be close enough with his family while I was checking on uh, checking on him here and there when he was spending the uh, you know, majority of his time at his home in uh, North Carolina. And just checking on him periodically and, you know, it went from him being okay, okay, then it was a real bad drop off with his health. And, uh, you know, towards the end of it, he would remember some things and he will, you know, kind of forget who you are, but also remember something from 10 years ago. He would ask about me and my mom's relationship and me and my family's relationship and certain things he will remember. Uh, So all those things, man, um... You know, I, I'm, I'm going to miss him, and, and uh, you know, unfortunate things happen. but I, we, we lost just a great one, not just a great coach, man, but just a great man in general.
0: Uh, that is a, a great testament to Marty Schottenheimer. I heard a lot of great things from people who knew him well um, and uh, a lot of outstanding stories there. Much less serious news, still in the NFL, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. All of the drama surrounding these quarterbacks. We just talked about Dak. What do you think is going to happen with these guys? Russell Wilson uh, went on Dan Patrick yesterday and said basically he doesn't feel like he's being consulted enough. You talked about the CEO and 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 maybe these guys uh, should be more involved in decision-making. Deshaun Watson, that seems to be similar kind of criticism that he has. And then Carson Wentz, everything's just kind of falling apart in Philadelphia. Do you think of those three... It looks like Carson Wentz is the most likely to move. Do you think that anything happens with Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson?
1: No, I, absolutely. Uh, but Carson Wentz is moving on because he has very little choice. Yeah. Right? I mean, they, they drafted somebody there to play, and he can play well enough and play better than Carson Wentz did last year. Um, so that's one thing. But as far as Deshaun Watson, um, I just don't see him lining up for and, and taking another snap for the, uh, the Houston Texans at all, as he should. He shouldn't. Um, and like I said before I, I I do believe when guys get paid to go out and do your job and you're getting paid a lot of money uh, but also on the on the flip side of that, you're paying guys a lot of money to not put them in a certain situation, and sometimes you, you can't give guys enough money to lose or to walk in a locker room every day and you're getting your ass kicked in and it's, it's just look it, the locker room is a funeral because it's, it's just so bad and they're not giving you the tools to go out and be successful. And I, and I always try to, you know, bridge the gap between business and being the CEO out here. I mean, look if the CEO is going in you get your employees are not up to par and they can't go out and do a job, but you're, you're telling them that they still have to work with them no matter what. Why, why do you have the CEO there? Why do you have him running a company when he when he can't make his own decisions on who and who should, and who should come in now? All, all I'm saying is, things should happen, and this goes for Russell Wilson too. Teams have to change their ways in the way they're dealing with guys because of the money is so big. Because of you're asking these guys to do more than they did 15, 20 plus years ago. It's not about playing football anymore. These guys, you're asking them to lead a multi billion multi billion dollar organization. So the least you can do is have these guys in the room and just get their opinion. Hey, what do you think about this guy? We're bringing up we're, now. You can still do what you want at the end of the day. But let's ha- let's get a few opinions. Hey, what do you think about this guy? We're looking at this coach. What do you think about him? If you're going out and doing things your own without consulting your CEO, your biggest player and the most important player in your franchise, that's a problem.
0: Should the owner or the coach be more involved in consultation and? Do you think it's a coaches not wanting to give up power situation or an owner not wanting to give up power situation that is implicating some of these disagreements? Where do you see the lines of communication getting broken up?
1: I think it's both. You know, for one, everything starts at the top. Nothing happens with the organization unless the owner approves or disapproves of it. Uh, and that goes for letting the coach even ha- make a decision where you can bring in your own guys. So, I just feel that, you know, at least for the owners that are hands on with the team and organization, but like, it doesn't take much. You know, uh, and you got some owners that are very hands on, and you got some owners that, you know, this is a side thing for them and not even the, the, the their biggest business that they have, right? I mean, so you go and look at it and how things are structured. Just sit down with the guy. I mean, look, Russell Wilson has been getting his head ripped off for years. So many big hits, and he has to pull out so many magical plays and uh so you know just just things that we're not accustomed to seeing. he has to go out there and work his magic and you're not going to give him the resources a better offensive line a better running game I mean, they got dk metcalf but you know for four or five years straight uh russell wilson has been taking a beating up there so if you're yeah. not going to give him the tools you're not going to give him the tools or at least ha- let him have some input why is he there
0: it's it's a good question, and this may be a crazy question for you, but I, I have no idea what the answer is. How often do NFL players, especially a guy like Russell Wilson, have the telephone number to be able to text or call with the owner of a team? I know the coaches and the players would be texting back and forth, uh, you know, uh, a decent amount. Do you think very many players in the NFL have the relationship where they could be texting? with an owner of a team is that common uncommon abnormal normal how would you assess it obviously uh phone phones the, the relationship with a phone is different now than it would have been in the 1980s or the 1990s but do you think that the average like Russell Wilson could he interact with the owner of the Seahawks is that a common thing would Deshaun Watson have Cal McNair's phone number and be able to text him what do you think about that
1: absolutely
0: they should yeah, yeah. i agree I mean, they should i'm just wondering how common it is
1: it, it's very common and, yeah. and i'm not saying the best friends or basis but there has to be some kind of a mutual respect level where you know you can get a text or you can call them and say hey uh you know you got time on friday or someday this week where i can come up to the office and just talk to you right because the door has to as, as yep. a good owner the door has to be open Right, especially, and I'm not saying you got the third string cornerback coming up there bitching and complaining about not getting playing time. I'm yeah. talking about, you know, your quarterback uh, that that you that you're asking. Hey, we need another ring, and we need you to lead us. Hey, well, you know, you can lead yourself to this office too, and give me some inf- and some input. And that should always happen when you're asking that much of a quarterback or that much of a player. Now your top guys always. I, I knew that LT talked to Dean Spanos, and I talked to Dean uh, Spanos here and there. But you know, I, I would expect Phillip Rivers to talk to, the, you know, uh, him more than I would. I mean, you, you're asking the the leader of the team to make those conversations and make those things happen. Uh, but in my opinion, every quarterback in the national, every starting quarterback in the National Football League should have an open door to the team owner.
0: It's a good point. It's an interesting perspective. Uh, and uh, and I wonder how many of them have great relationships or not. Always good stuff, Sean Merriman. Go listen to the Lights Out podcast, iHeart Podcast Network. We'll talk to you again soon.
1: You got it. Thanks, them.